0: The America's come. Good morning, folks. This is uh, your friend Dennis Conner. I'm coming to you today courtesy of the Specialty Produce Broadcast, and I'm pretty excited about my podcast today because we left off uh, with some of my childhood history with me going to uh, Cabrillo Elementary in San Diego State and... Coming uh, back uh, after a few adventures and uh, wondering what I was going to do, well, the, the good news is I grew up in uh, Point Loma on Talbot Street, a half a block from the San Diego Yacht Club. And your venue where you grow up is a huge, 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 huge part of your life success. And the reason it was so important for me is that um, I went to Cabrillo School a half a block uh, across the way on Rosecrans. And uh, when I came home from from school, living on Talbot Street, uh, a few houses up from the Yacht Club, what else there was there to do but to go to the San Diego Yacht Club? So that was my attractive nuisance. That's where I enjoyed uh, going. That was what fun was for me. I didn't know anyone. My mom and dad both working, one at the cannery and one at Convair, so I had no money. But that didn't deter me. There were no guards at the gate, and I I was able to go down on the docks and Uh, with a smile try to help people tie up their boats or untie their boats or pick up a piece of uh, sandpaper and try to do a little varnishing whatever it was to be around the boats that that was what uh, caused me uh, enjoyment and the reason that that was good for me is because at uh, Cabrillo and Dana Junior High and Point Loma I was just an average guy nothing special I wasn't the best-looking one with the best-looking girl, and I wasn't the president of the class, and I wasn't running the 100-yard dash in 10 flat. I was just out there hitting uh, number nine on the baseball team and uh, just trying to bide my time with no real clear goals on what to do. But the one thing I really did enjoy was I enjoyed uh, coming home from school and going down to the San Diego Yacht Club. And the reason it turned out to be so important is because at the Yacht Club there were a lot of uh, different successful people and I got to hang out with whichever one I wanted because I just had to go down to their boat and see what they were doing and pay attention. What were your parents thinking of all this time that you're spending away from the house and down at the Yacht Club and with these people that they didn't know very well? Very good question. First of all, Bear in mind that uh, my folks were, were not wealthy. They were—they had a house, a roof over their head, but uh, my own, my uh, grandfather paid for that house. They didn't buy it. You know, probably cost six thousand dollars, but they didn't have a lot of money. So they were working for a living, and uh, we were the last person on the block to get a, a TV, for instance. I can remember. Going over to my friend's house, so what is this? So my parents, they they weren't really uh, too much into what I was doing or where where I was doing it. I'm sure they loved me, but they they had other issues. I don't recall what they were, but I'm I'm sure that uh, one of them was paying the bills. And uh, what are we going on vacation? And if we go out for dinner this month, are we going to Anthony's or are we are we going? Uh, up to the Cheesecake Factory in North Park. Those were more important issues at the time. So where is Dennis? That didn't occur to him. I wasn't really a problem uh, kid. I, the police never had to really bring me home or they didn't have to call, where Where are you? But I, I was gone a lot, a lot and I'm sure that I had some great answer when I told them, well, I was down at the Yacht Club. I wasn't down there. There wasn't any marijuana to uh, adjust. And there, was too young to drink so I was just down there soaking it all up and probably made up some excuse about that I was helping Ash sand his boat and I I got uh, out of trouble so the parents didn't really think too much and I think they liked the idea that I had a hobby that wasn't taking me astray and I'm guessing they were proud of me although don't forget there weren't a lot of trophies that I was bringing home and I didn't have my own boat so What was I sailing? I had a paper route that my dad helped me on Sunday morning take me up to the top of Talbot Street so I could ride down and deliver the papers and the TV guide. That's where my spending money came from. I probably made a couple dollars. I probably made, I could have made $5 a day. I could have had $100 at the end of the month. I wouldn't have. I liked working hard and I liked the money. I remember that. The other thing I was doing at the time, and it sounds kind of crazy, but I loved horses. And at the top of Thomas Street, there was a stable, the Stagger Estate stables. And I had this horse that the lady up there that ran the stable, she knew I loved the horses. The stupidest side, but i tell you this story anyway. So she let me come up there and groom the horse and clean out the stall. And for a dollar, I could ride the horse for two hours. And that was, that was the biggest thing in my week. It's what I love to do, is go see this old nag. I don't even knew who I was, but I got to give him a biscuit and an apple. and it made me feel good. And that, and that was what I was doing with my money. I, I didn't have a boat to spend it on. So so the, the first thing I remember uh, came to my attention was that the uh, star sailors were all the best uh, sailors. There were some people with ocean racing boats, uh, cruising boats, that uh, enjoyed a race now and then out to the Coronado Islands. But they weren't in the same league. With uh, Gerald Driscoll and uh, Malin Burnham and uh, Lowell North and Pete Bennett. These guys were world class, world champions. And for me just to uh, carry their sails or wash their boat off, it was a, a big uh, thrill for me. And because I got to hang out with so uh, diverse a field, diverse group of sailors. I saw that there was a lot of different ways to uh, win sailboat races. That it wasn't just all about uh, having a good sail and a fast boat and a good crew. That the uh, preparation, preparation and preparation was a huge, huge part of the success of of these people. And I believe to the day that it's still a very, very important part of any project whether you're varnishing and you have to do a good job in the prep work or if you're uh, trying to uh, win a sailboat race and you make sure that the front 10 percent of your boat is perfect and the, the uh the sanding strokes are all fore and aft with the flow of the water it, it the preparation was so key and i saw that uh these three or four very, very successful people, not only in, in sailing but in life, had uh, different tactics. Malin Burnham, let's start with him. Star world champion at 18 years old with Lowell North crewing for him. What a combination that must have been in uh, 1945. Can you imagine those two together in a starboat? Wow, what chance would you have? So Malin went on uh, with... A, little head start and uh, help from his parents, went to Stanford, had the opportunity to go to work at the Burnham Company and learn the ropes of business. His dad was a very successful insurance person, and uh, Malin grew that business into a financial empire. But his focus wasn't really on sailing. He was more well-rounded. He knew how to ski, and he knew how to play tennis, and he, he knew how to go to rotary and Sailing was just a bit of his repertoire, but the one thing he had, as I said, a very good athlete, tennis, racquetball, handball, and he was smart. Stanford, the Burnham Company, Rotary, all the people he hung out with, he had a broad, broad base of experience and knowledge. But he didn't uh, spend a tremendous amount of time working on uh, on his boat or his uh, sailing instructions or leaving early and uh, repairing all the problems he had from the race before. But he had a lot of talent, and I saw him win a lot of sailboat races just by showing up. Sometimes I know that he uh, put the jib on and went out to the starting line, and then he looked up at the jib. Oh, my gosh, we have a broken uh, baton in the jib that he forgot to fix. So he'd create it, get the jib down and make a batten out of a spare and off he'd go. And uh, more often than not, he'd win the race. Talent. So Malin had talent that made up for, for his uh, preparation. So uh, we saw him winning a tremendous amount of uh, sailboat races just with brains and talent. And... Uh, Intuitive feel. Next, what about uh, Lowell North? Well, what can I say? 60 years ago, Lowell was working at uh, an engineering company. It's a great sailor. Uh, as I said, winning the Star Worlds with Malin when he was 18 years old, hanging around the San Diego Yacht Club and thinking about boats, inventing things, and coming up with ideas how to make the boats go faster. He was the best and the brightest as far as sailing. So it's not surprising that uh, when he started making sails for himself, the other good star sailors wanted sails like his, and what? Lo and behold, here comes North sails. So he not only knew how to make sails, but he he knew what really made a boat go fast. He understood. I had no clue. He understood that having a a keel that was fared on both sides, a lifting surface— was a lot better than one that was lopsided. Or he, he understood that uh, weight aloft or weight in the ends of the boat uh, was a big factor in producing pitching of the boat, which we uh, now know is a big sp- uh, speed-producing item. And then, of course, when the trim of the sails. He knew that uh, where you had your jib leads, as far as fore and aft, had a lot to do with how high you could point. So when he moved his jib leads in from the rail, another three inches, guess what? I was the next person right there behind him moving my jib leads in three inches. I had no idea why, but if it was good enough for Lowell, it was certainly good enough for Dennis. And guess what? I went faster just by copping. So we had Lowell North here, the best and the brightest living and breathing sailing. His wife Kay was a lovely, wonderful girl that uh, supported him through all this, so he had no problems with his uh, being away from the house for a regatta. He had it all together, and he, he was by far the, the best we had here in San Diego. Four uh, star world champions, a dragon uh, Olympic medal, and uh, on and on. It could have been another Star Worlds uh, if he hadn't broken his uh, mast in, uh, in uh, Cuba with uh, Charlie DeCardinus. And it could have been another gold uh, uh, medal if he hadn't uh, broken his mast in the Olympics. So we, we had all these great sailors, and then we had Lowell. He was... Uh, Just uh, above and beyond. But supporting cast here, we had Malin, we had Lowell. Guess what? We had Carl Eichenlaub too. He was the most creative, common sense. He was a genius guy with his hands and, and with his knowledge of how to make things work, how to fix things, how to build a boat, how to change a boat. Minimum of fuss. He built me a boat one time for the Southern Circuit. Hard to believe, but it's no No BS. He built me a boat from start to finish in 30 days of 35 foot uh, Doug Peterson design. We launched it. We just had some putty on it, hardly any paint. Ben Mitchell, Benny's father, and I sailed it across the uh, Gulf from New Orleans and uh, won the uh, won the uh, SORC by 70 points because of Carl's genius. Just to imagine, just building this boat. He didn't know too much about uh, aluminum, but he could just built this boat. Put it together, put some uh, uh, motor in it, some uh, fairing putty on it, and off we went to New Orleans on the truck and win the SORC with Carl's Genius. The same thing would be true about the uh, other parts of boats. What about build a star mast with a cedar core? It'll be a pound and a half lighter, and we know weight aloft is the key part of uh, going fast, don't we, Lowell? Well, well, so, well how do we do that? Well, we build a block of, uh, of uh, cedar and we line it uh, uh, inside uh, in, with the uh, spruce outside and we play it all down. It doesn't have to be too thick, the spruce. Make the right shape and voila, a mass that's a pound lighter than all the other mass you're going to race against. So not only would you have a speed advantage, but think what to do psychologically knowing you have an edge on all these other guys. This was Carl Eichenlob, and he, he was recognized for his genius. He was asked to come to the Olympics to, as the boatman to repair people's boats at the Olympics, which he did. Uh, he was there in, in, when I went to the Olympics in uh, 1968. He was I think it was his first year. By the way, Mark Reynolds there is my, my uh, mechanic and helping me at his first uh, Olympics uh, not sailing, but assisting Dennis Conner next to uh, Valentin Mankin. So Carl went to that Olympics and he did such a good job, all the other people wanted Carl to work on their boats. And he, he was tireless. So Carl, after fixing all the American boats, I think there were six or eight boats in, in our field uh, that he was working on, he'd go, he didn't care. He just wanted to see people having a chance to win and, and doing the best they could be. So he'd work on their boats. And because of this attitude and wanting to help everybody, people recognizing Carl's genius, he got invited back to the, every other Olympics uh, for six or eight uh, e- more events. So we have, we have Lowell. We, we have Carl. What else do we have? Well, we have Pete Bennett, who came from Murphy and I in Chicago, a great star sailor, a real sailmaker. So Lowell hired him away from uh, Harry and I, and uh, he moved here from Chicago, and started working at North. And he he was really, what I would say, my sailmaker. A lot of others as well. But he he won a lot of events for me. He he, he had the time to uh, help me. I, what about I put another half an inch on the left curve of the sail because my mast's a little soft down low. No problem. Come back in a couple hours. So there was Pete out there on the uh, floor of the North Loft taking the. Taking the left tape off, refaring my left tape, sewing it back on himself, have, folding it up, and here it was, 3 o'clock, I come back, and I get to go out and uh, try this sail. What an advantage. Can you imagine somebody trying to do this in Chicago in 30-degree weather? So Pete Bennett, a big, big factor in my early success as a uh, north uh, uh, sail maker. Okay, so here we are we got Dennis going down to the yacht club. He's just soaking up the knowledge from all these wonderful guys, uh, such wonderful talent, so knowledgeable. He just cannot get enough. What else happens? Well, there was a guy by the name of Ashley Bown, B-O-W-N, he, and he, he was the king of the ocean racing fleet. He won the Acapulco race. He won the Sinhofer Hot Rum. He, he went around the islands. He had a uh, Owens Cutter, not much of a boat, but he loved it, and he knew how to get a lot out of it. So he was the he, my hero when it came to big boats. He had a, a used car lot. So he kind, of, he kind of controlled his own destiny. It was a one-man uh, show. And so I knew he came home about 5 o'clock. He lived up on, uh, for those of you that know Point Loma Well, at the end of Silvergate and uh, uh, not a uh, huge house, but it was nice. So I, I would go up there and wait for for him to come home. His wife hated me. Uh, Ruth, she was a lovely lady, but uh, she she wasn't happy to see me there. We wanted to have a few moments with her husband, and I'm up there, you know, a, a asking him, Well, why are we moving the traveler when we tack, or why aren't we sanding the bottom of the boat uh, the same way we sand the keel? So I would spend hours and hours. Up there, just soaking again, soaking it all up, soaking the strategy, being around. And because of this uh, thirst for knowledge about sailing, I got to be a pretty good sailor. I got to be a better sailor than my friends. So when we had a Starlet race, I I didn't have a boat, but I could beat all the other crews. And when I did get to race, I could beat the skippers too. But it was all because of my... uh, Upbringing and the fact that I was fortunate enough to grow up in San Diego, in Point Loma, on Talbot Street, half a block from the San Diego Yacht Club, with so many wonderful people and such wonderful talent. So here's uh, another tip from your friend Dennis at the uh, Specialty Produce broadcast. The fact that I was able to hang out with all these. uh, Wonderful guys was one thing. And the fact I got to be a better sailor was good. But what it really did is it changed my self-image. As I told you, I didn't have a self-image of being anything special. I wasn't the best-looking guy, president of the class, hitting fourth in the baseball team. But the one thing I could do was I could sail just a little bit better than they could. And I could see that this elevated me to a slightly different level and so when someone said, "Well, geez, did you win those races this weekend?" and I said, "Yes, I did. It was, it was great." And he said, "Well, nice job." Well, those little of boys went a long way for me changing my uh, self-image and how I felt about myself. That I could, that I was worthwhile in some areas. I wasn't just another guy uh, hanging out. That uh, th- that there was some potential there. And so the, the, my, as my self-image changed in this one area, the more I got, the better I got, the more I wanted to improve. So the rich got richer. I went down to the boats more often. I, uh, I hung out at uh, the Aklam more of the time. And I, I, my sailing was improving. It was getting better and better and better. So my next big break came. When I got to control uh, another boat called the Dolphin, same as Ash Bound's boat, which was Carousel, a 40-foot Owens Cutter, and now I got to race against Ash. Well, I must admit, I didn't do so good. He, he was just the more experienced, a little better, knew his boat, his sails were perfect, and I was just learning the ropes. But I, I did all right. But I still looked up to Ash like crazy and went over there to see him anytime I could. So my next big break came... When uh, he, Ash always had the same crew. They, were, they knew each other growing up uh, together uh, from uh, the word one. So it was, it was Malin, Bud Caldwell, Jim Reynolds, and Mort Carlisle. Those were the guys that were sailing with, uh, with Ash on carousel. Well, my big break came when uh, Mort Carlisle's mother, right two days before the Acapulco race, She dies. So everybody's walking around with a long face. But inside, I've got a big smile on my my face because uh, Mort can't go in the Acapulco race. So Ash is down one person. So guess what? Dennis gets to go in the Acapulco race on carousel. Can you imagine me coming from a B-level baseball player to the major leagues and uh, playing right uh, alongside... uh, Tony Gwynn or Babe Ruth. So I got to go in the Acapulco race with Manon Burnham, Jim Reynolds, Bud Caldwell, and Ash. And, of course, uh, we did quite well and um, won the race, by the way. We we beat uh, Jim Kilroy with Kieloa, two. That's why I, I first remember meeting uh, Jim in the 1962 Acapulco race. So we go back a long way as well. So here I am. I'm off on the carousel. And I'm actually sailing with all of my heroes. And I just cannot get enough of it. I'm pushing these guys. Like, you know, I'm 17, 18 years old, and I have a lot of energy. Come on, trim the sails. Come on, watch the gym. Come watch those telltales. And so Malin, he, liked, he has a sharp tongue and a good sense of humor. He, he, he didn't have much use for me, especially bugging him about trying to speed up. So he, he, I remember he, he named me uh, Sack. Her smart-ass kid, and uh, I think that that name lasted uh, longer than I would have liked. But uh, I had a great time with the carousel and the Acapulco race and coming back, and then I had uh, more and more opportunities uh, crewing in the small boats uh, that uh, really helped me uh, move along. So that's the next phase in the beginning of Dennis Conner's sailing career, we, we, we know about his education now. We knew where he grew up. We knew what the parents did, and we knew where he hanged out. And the, the all, it all comes down to the venue, what you grow up with. It's very, very difficult to, to change your life uh, unless you change your venue. And it's not easy to do. If my dad was a uh, drug dealer in the Upper East Side of New York, I think I would have been a good crook. Or if he was a mechanic at Indy fixing cars, maybe I'd be a race car driver. Or if he was raking the lawn at the Masters, maybe I'd be playing golf. Because that's the venue. What you hang out with affects your life so, so, so much. So those of you that uh, have kids or want to change your uh, performance, it's all about the venue and who you hang out with, and and what you're learning uh, in your formidable years. So, uh, that that that's a big tip of the day coming to you from the Specialty Produce Broadcast and your friend Dennis Connor. Podcast number three.